Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 114. How's the new year coming along for all of you? For me, 2024 has gotten off to a wonderful, beautiful start. After all, it is my year of yes. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm so glad to be back with you. Today, I'm coming to you from India, where I've been for the past two and a half weeks to visit family in Mumbai, attend a family wedding in Delhi, and travel to Kerala, the birthplace of Ayurveda. And so although I've been a little quiet on social media, it's been for good reason, as I'm really consciously trying to stay present to my life, to the people I'm with and to the experiences I'm having here in India. You know, I haven't been back here since March of 2020, right before the pandemic started. And I'm so happy, so, so happy to be back in India. You know, I've been coming to India since I was a child to visit my family as my parents immigrated to the United States from India in 1968. And so my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and cousins and second cousins have all been in India since before I was born, quite literally going to my grandparents' house or to my Babaji and Dadu's house and my Nani's house was going to India. And so India really holds a special place in my heart. I have so many memories of family, of fun, of food while growing up, and they're all tied to India. I find that every time I come here, it's truly a coming home, a homecoming for me. There's something so nostalgic for me. And this trip has been even more special as I think I'm really present to everything in a way that I haven't ever been before. I'm finding that I'm noticing everything and that everything triggers memories. The smell of my favorite foods and dishes brings up memories of my nani cooking in the kitchen. The sounds of Hindi being spoken all around me brings up memories of going to the markets to buy chocolates with my cousins. And the sight of cars and three-wheeler tuk-tuks and bicycles and people all moving in what can only be described as controlled chaos reminds me of the magic that is India. And as I mentioned, I've been visiting family and also saw so many family members at the wedding last week, many of whom I haven't seen in 15 or more years. And many of my elders are now truly elders in their 70s and their 80s. And I'm amazed as always because the majority of them are healthy and vibrant. In fact, a few of my grand aunts were on the dance floor all night with us. Many of us who are in our 30s and 40s and 50s. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm surprised because I've known this, but I'm saying this because it confirms what I've always known, that living in harmony with nature, according to Ayurvedic principles and living in community with family and friends 
and having a purpose every day and maintaining daily routines and using the tools of yoga. These are the things that keep us healthy and that create longevity, which is about health span or the idea that we live longer, better. We don't just live longer and longer and longer. And it makes me so, so excited about my new book, The Longevity Formula, which is coming out at the end of the year on December 17th and being published by Sounds True Publishing because it validates everything that I've written about in that book. It's so incredibly exciting and validating and just it's wonderful. And by the way, if you want to be the first to know about the new book, my new IG course, and so many incredible things that I'll be doing this year, make sure that you sign up for my weekly newsletter. There's a link in the show notes for you. And so on the topic of longevity and wellness, today's episode is the first of a two-part episode in which I dive into the key wellness trends coming in 2024. Today, I'm joined by Faye McRae, Vice President and Head of Content at Well and Good, to discuss four of the eight wellness trends for the upcoming year. In our conversation, we explore the integration of wellness amenities in real estate, reflecting a growing consumer demand for wellness-oriented living spaces. We also explore the role of AI, yep, AI, in personalizing fitness routines, emphasizing the importance of balancing technology with your personal intuition and professional health advice. And finally, we talk about the emergence of hair longevity products focused on maintaining hair health as one ages and the trend of functional comfort foods to make healthy eating more accessible and enjoyable. You know, this is the third year that I've been contacted by Well and Good to discuss their annual wellness trends report. And I love diving into what their reporting team is tracking and then sharing it with all of you. I'm so excited to share part one of my conversation with Faye McRae about the key wellness trends for 2024. Hello, Faye. It is so great to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you're in a busy time talking about the well and good trends, but you made some time to talk to me. So thank you and welcome. It's great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And, you know, for all the listeners, I have had the pleasure of talking to Well and Good for the past two years, so this will be the third year in a row, of talking to them about the newest trends that are coming up for the coming year. We are recording this at the end of December. All of you will be hearing this at the beginning of January, but they always find a way to fit me in to have a conversation about the newest trends. And so really excited to do this again with you. So thanks again for doing that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, I wanted to, before we jump in, a couple of things for the listeners. We are going to do this as two episodes because there's eight different trends we're going to be talking about. And so that we have enough time to sort of really get into it and discuss it and get some good insights going. We'll do four this episode for part one, and then we'll do four trends for episode for the part two, the next episode. So make sure that you listen in for those. And then The other thing that I really wanted to start off with is if you could, Faye, just describe to the listeners, you know, how you at Well and Good come up with these trends, because I do think it's really important for everyone to hear that it's very unbiased, that it's real reporting. So if you could just get into that first, that'd be great. Yeah. So I didn't share. So I've been here six months. I just started. So I'm new to the brand. So this is my first trends 
cycle and experience. So it's just been so fantastic to be a part of this process because it is, it's our thing, right? Like this is the thing we're the most proud of with the brand is really going out and really assessing those things that are going to be the next big thing in health and wellness. So the process is long. Our, our editors, our reporters kind of go out, they do the research, they ask the questions, usually starts with the hypothesis, like oh, I'm seeing this thing kind of pop up. Let me validate that and, and figure out if it is, it is in fact something that's happening. But we really take great pains to talk to as many experts as possible. We talk to folks in the industry that are developing products and different services around some of these trends, because we don't just want to see things that we think, oh, maybe a fad, but like, what are those things that are going to be long lasting that are really going to change the health and wellness space and make those big impacts? Yeah, no, it's great. And I think that that's so important. So it's really, you guys are really monitoring all throughout the year, from what I understand, sort of what's going on in the health and wellness space. And then that's how you come up with the ideas for what are the trends. So I love that about how you guys find this stuff. So it's really cool. So let's jump into the trends because we have some really cool ones to talk about. The first one, and I'm kind of going in the order that it is on the Well and Good Trends Report. And for everyone listening, that will be linked in the show notes so you can go and check it out yourself. But the first one is about the headline is the real estate industry is bringing wellness to your doorstep. So let's talk about this one. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, this one is so interesting. And it's one that we talked about quite a bit during the ideation process, because what we're seeing is, you know, a lot of times you go on vacation, right? And you go to these great spas and these hotels, and they have all of these amenities that are centered around wellness. And now what we're seeing is a lot of when real estate developers investing in those sort of a value of their properties. So we're seeing buildings pop up with wellness kind of integrated as a part of it. We're seeing buildings with steam rooms and saunas and taking great pains to look at kind of water quality and things that we know that are vital and crucial to wellness being integral to your living space. So I think consumers are getting smarter about the things that they need in their spaces. I think we also, you know, our homes are our sanctuary. I think even more so post-pandemic. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of trends pop up now where we're looking at places to incorporate wellness into our residential communities. So can you give me some examples of sort of like things that you're seeing that are popular? Because I do think that you're right. You know, people are starting to understand how much their space affects their well-being and their health. And, you know, in Ayurveda and integrated medicine, we talk about the idea that everything in life affects your health. And your space, the spaces that you live, work, and play in really matter. They affect your health incredibly. And it's not just from the perspective of the toxins that are in the environment, et cetera, right? We kind of know about that, which is also important, which I think is part of this trend. But it's also about the beauty, the uh, materials, you know, are there natural organic materials? Is there light? Those are all things that we're thinking about in Ayurveda with respect to space. So what kinds of things are you seeing, you know, as far as like, what are the kind of interesting things that people are doing with real estate and wellness? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, as you're talking, I'm thinking too, it's sort of akin to when you talk about health equity and social determinants of health. Yes. You know, we consider all of these layers is how they factor into our health. So yeah, I mean, we're seeing there's a place in New York called The Well that just opened up its first residential building with an actual on-site wellness facility in Miami. Everyone is familiar with the Blue Zones. There was a great documentary on that. 
So they're opening a hotel and residential property also in Miami that includes a large scale medical center that's really geared towards folks living their, their longest and their healthiest life. We're also seeing a place called development in Ohio called the Gravity. It's the world's largest conscious living community. So it's apartments that have, you know, health conscious restaurants, indoor and outdoor gathering spaces. So we're seeing just a lot of great kind of things, you know, just popping up within the market that allow people to really make a choice about how they want to prioritize their health and where they live. Right. And so, you know, the thing I'm thinking about, because I do have, you know, parents who are aging and other relatives who are aging. So it's like kind of bringing to mind sort of these, you know, living communities that they've had for a long time for people as they're entering into retirement. Is that kind of, you know, my, is that sort of what we're talking about too, in a way? Yeah. I think anything that incorporates wellness into where you live. I know immediately I also the sandwich generation. So I have, you know, care of little ones, but I also have parents that I'm taking care of. And when I saw that Blue Zones documentary, I thought like, are my parents moving enough? Is their house kind of conducive to that? Do they live close enough to people that they can form a community with? So I think we're, especially in the Blue Zones residences, we're thinking about a lot of those things is how we're innovating. So we're seeing it at all levels. We're seeing it in, you know, again, these residential buildings that are kind of geared towards everyone and like, you know, those kind of active adult living communities too, incorporating wellness into those spaces. So it's a really, really great trend that's sort of responding to a very real need. Right. So how is that different than like, you know, in a lot of, I live here in Chicago, in the city, and a lot of the high rise buildings, right? They have their gyms and they might have a little spa, but like how, how do you think this is taking it one step further? Because we really want to, you know, sort of piece out like, what is the difference between what you're seeing here as a trend versus kind of like, we're already seeing as the amenities that people will put into these buildings. What would you say is the difference? Yeah, I would say that's a really such a great question. I think it's just the rise of it, like becoming more commonplace and it happening and also the consumer demand for it, right? I mean, I think folks want to know now what they're getting into in their living spaces and what's going to be available to them. So I think those are the factors that sort of differentiate it than like, Maybe the one-offs or things you see here and there and more of like, oh, this is this is happening. You know, this <laughs> this is happening at a larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Blue Zones communities are really interesting to me. I just finished my second book. I handed in a manuscript a few weeks ago and, and it's on longevity specifically from an Ayurvedic perspective. And so I'm like deep in this world. Do you know anything else about the Blue Zones communities and, you know, again, how that like that feels like it's kind of in between the residential with lots of amenities for wellness. And then on the other side, sort of these active living communities. Is that kind of like in the middle? What would the difference be? Yeah, I think what I love about this one is there's an actual medical center, you know, that's a part of these facilities. So as opposed to when we're just thinking of one off amenities, like a cold punch pool or, you know kind of things that, that are nice to have. Now we're looking at things that are like, oh no, this is going to be a place that's going to make your wellness and your health accessible and prioritized by you because it's going to be where you live. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, you know, a lot of what's coming up for me is also, you know, with longevity, the blue zones, this idea of living in community. You know, I think one of the things that we suffer from in the United States, specifically in the West, especially in the United States, is this sort of, we don't, 
gather as much. We don't know our neighbors as much, right? You know, we're sort of separate, even if we're living in a condo building right next door to someone, oftentimes we don't know them. And I feel like something like this is actually trying to encourage more of that community, getting to know your neighbors because you might be involved in a garden or going to the medical center or going to a class or, you know, wellness class, whatever it is. It feels sort of, in a way, a modern take on creating community and community spaces for people to gather. Um, That's what it's bringing up for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. So many of these trends, I think you see a thread of a little bit of a back to basics, you know, like we've gotten away of a lot of the things that are really core to who we are as humans. I know when I was growing up, I grew up in New York um, and I, I grew up in Queens and my family was all within like a five, six block radius of one another. When I was little, it like, just drove me crazy. Always someone at our house. There's <laughs> always someone eating dinner, yeah. eating my food. They're taking my you know, best <laughs> piece of chicken, yeah. you know? And then when I got older, I was like, I miss that. You know, I miss that sense of community of having family around, you know, and now we're seeing, oh, there's a correlation between that and how we age and our health and our wellness. And those things are vital. So I think what you'll see, not to segue into another trend, but like you think about things like the postpartum kind of wellness trend, like a lot of these trends are incorporating as some of we need that support that we've needed. Right. The community. I think that's great. That's a really interesting trend. And I, I think it's, you know, again, Some people would say that's just, you know, capitalism and they're like sort of capitalizing on the consumer. I get that. There's like, it's like a fine line, but I do think that, you know, we're creating this awareness that, you know, living in community, living with spaces that encourage this kind of health and wellness is, is really important to our health and our living spaces are a great place to start. I think it's a really important concept. Okay, so let's move on to the next one, which is this one is an interesting one. Brings up a lot of questions for me when I was preparing for this. Artificial intelligence in personalized fitness gets smarter for real. So let's talk about this one. <laughs> AI, it's it's one of those things, especially in the editorial space. Like the minute you say it, you can feel like the goosebumps, <laughs> like it's coming for us. Like what is happening here? And, you know, this one was an interesting one for me too. Cause when I first heard it, I'm like, let's say I do it now, you know? Yeah. But I think in this, we're talking about personalized fitness, as you said, but we're really talking about really just personalizing our routines. Like one thing that I love about this one is there's AI fitness coaches, right? You know, and I know various points in my life I've worked with coach, just maybe combat some health things and just wanted to make sure that I was okay. And it could be upwards of what, like $200, sometimes even more a month, you know, to have a personal training service. And now we're looking at these personalized kind of AI fitness coaches and it's like a hundred dollars a year, you know? So it's improving accessibility for things that used to be cross prohibitive. We're also seeing it incorporate biometric data into fitness routines. So we're seeing apps that are working with things like 20 predictive fit, for instance, working with 23andMe to incorporate DNA and ancestry data into training plans. So we're seeing ways that tech is just getting smarter. So we had our wearables, things that we were kind of have all grown accustomed to, but now we're seeing things layered in there to, again, enhance that personalization in our fitness routines. And so let me understand this. So like, let's say we're talking about like one of those smart rings or smart watch. I'm not going to name the companies, right? Because I don't have an affiliation with them, but unless you want to talk about some of them, but 
like, so you have those fitness wearable devices. So how does AI, how is it going one step beyond just those, those fitness uh, wearable devices? Like how is AI incorporated into that? Yeah, I would say so it's gathering the data, right? Or to the extent we are consenting to that data being utilized, but it's gathering the data about our fitness level, our recovery periods. That was one thing that intrigued me about some of this, but things that are kind of unique to us and then tailoring routines that meet those needs. So, you know, it's taking all that data and incorporating them into what is a fitness plan that will gear us, you know, set us up for success. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about this from a, like, a, am going to be devil's advocate a little bit here. Uh, you know, okay. <laughs> I, there are a lot of privacy issues here. Like, you know, I know people are consenting, but like, at what point is there like a fine line between, you know, your data being shared for your health and wellness, but then like, you've got this AI piece that now, you know, how I'm sure this must've come up in your discussion. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it absolutely did. And, you know, I think what we're seeing in this landscape is it gets what you can set to and what you're comfortable with. You know, and I would I would probably urge anyone that's, you know, considering engaging in all of this, read the fine print, you know, read how that, that data is going to be utilized. You know, I think it's one of those things where you weigh the costs and the benefits. You know, if you find that the efficacy of being able to work with one of these tools you know, is is going to be vital to the success of your health routine, you know, then that may outweigh for some folks, you know, kind of what they're giving up in return. Uh, but I would for sure make sure that you're reading that fine print. Right. And so like how specific are some of these AI tools getting? I mean, you know, because it's one thing to take your data and spit out a routine that might be a little personalized, but kind of generic in a way. I just, you know, one of the things that worries me is that we're taking out the human piece, the art of health and wellness, the art of medicine, the, the art of that personal touch, that one-to-one connection between a health provider, a fitness coach, health coach, whoever it is, and the patient or the client, right? It's, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it because I know this is the direction we're going in, but it's also really hard. So I'm like, how how do we kind of think about that? What would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I would say nothing replaces your doctor yeah, and, you know, your professional that you work with. You know, I know I had a, my, I think we talked a little bit about aging parents. My, my father had a pacemaker placed about a year or so ago and he's a lifelong runner, you know, kind of former fitness guy. This is such a hard transition for him into this space. So he got an Apple watch, sort of checking it obsessively, like, you know, what's my heart right now? What's my heart right now? You know, and, you know, looking to the Apple watch to sort of tell him how he was doing health wise, you know, and it was like, you have to take a beat, you know, like trust your doctors, make sure you're communicating, your pacemakers also monitoring, right? So it's communicating with your doctor. So I think it's important when you're thinking about utilizing any tools to make sure that you're seeing them as like a supplement or an additive you know, this extra benefit, but it's not replacing the advice of your trusted professionals. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I think you bring up a really good point because this actually comes back to something. I think this is one of the reasons I'm uncomfortable with it is because the whole basis of my work is to help people tune into their intuition and to help their bodies heal, right? To listen to what's coming from within. And your example of your father, thank you for sharing that, of obsessively looking at a watch sort of as like, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Right? There's this fine line because it can become something which then replaces 
you tuning into how are you feeling, right? So I feel like it's this really delicate balance of using this technology as a tool to help you, but it can't replace, you know, a professional, a health professional, coach, fitness instructor, whoever it is. And it can't replace your own intuition and you tuning into how am I feeling rather than always looking to a device, an outside source to tell you how you're feeling. Yeah. And feeling a little bit of panic too. You know, it's, it's important. And I love that. You know, I think really seeing the utility of these things and using it and not necessarily letting it use you, you know, that um, it's a tool for you. Yeah, I think that that's really important. So I think, you know, these are all things that are coming and and a lot of the listeners probably use these wearable d- devices, you know, whether it's their watch or their phone, like the the rings that are out there, whatever it is, there's so many wearable devices that people are using. I do think it's really important to reflect on how are you using it? And how much are you using it? Is it replacing you know, human connection for you, because that can become a, you know, dangerous thing too. And are you obsessing about it? Because it can become almost like, I've actually seen this in a few people that I know, friends, family who have used these wearable devices, where it's almost similar to the effects of looking at social media right? Of constantly checking the phone, constantly checking, you know, a device to see how they're doing. And so I think it's, again, something to really reflect on as a consumer of these products of how are you intending to use it? And how are you going to sort of monitor that? Right? Yeah. And I think too, when we talk about this personalized fitness space and AI, I mean, they're only going to have the data that you give them to, you know, or that you allow them to have. So as they tailor these custom kind of routines and things for you, they may not be getting the complete picture too, you know, which is why it's always, again, it's like you said, not only check in with yourself, but, you know, also check in with your professionals just to make sure that it really does suit and meet your needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes as I've been playing a little bit with, you know, AI, just seeing like what it is to understand it. I'll be really interested to see sort of what direction this goes in. Okay, so let's go to the next one, which I know this is a really interesting one. And the the headline is hair longevity products go to great lengths to keep hair healthy as you age. So let's talk about this one. Yeah. Yeah, this was such an interesting one for us too, because I think when we talked about it, we definitely didn't want to lean into any anti-aging conversation. I know, you know, I adored and loved this older actress that I used to watch all the time that had these beautiful salt and pepper locks. And like when I was a kid, I just couldn't wait to have salt and pepper in my locks. And I still feel the same way. Every time I see a gray pop up, it's so beautiful to me. So I think when we look at hair longevity, we're just talking about really the health of your hair, right? Uh, To really increase awareness about things that, you know, like dryness and frizzing and thinning, like those sort of signs that maybe your hair isn't doing as well. So now we're seeing a lot of products pop up that are clarifying and detoxifying with great ingredients to sort of remove, you know, some of the things that contribute to our, our hair longevity. Okay. And so how is this different than, I mean, the hair care that's out there, right? Because a lot of these hair care companies will say that they have things that are good for your scalp. So like, let's tease out, like, what's the difference here? 
Yeah, those are all great questions. I think, you know, we think about, you know, I know you're, you said you were in Chicago. I don't know if you faced this, maybe you did, as well, the Canadian fires and the air that it brought in to the environment. Now we have all these environmental factors that play a role that are not just on our skin and on our hair. You know, they're just kind of, we're not just breathing them in, right? They're also sitting on the parts of our body that are exposed to the air. So we're seeing things like shower heads, right? That, you know, remove hard water and and things that kind of allow us to, you know, just further nurture our hair in a way that we maybe weren't thinking about before now that a lot of things have changed. So what other, and so shower heads, I know that that was when I quickly read some of the trends. Can you tell us about that? And then what other types of products are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing shower heads with these filters now, you know, that not just save off the effects of hard water, you know, but also, you know, just make sure that we're not experiencing more stress on our hair. We're also seeing, like I said, some clarifying detox shampoos that use magnetic polymer to remove the heavy metals from the, from hard water that it leaves on your hair. Things that are also detoxifying. Bond repair lines. Unilever just launched a, a couple of bond repair lines that also have increased longevity. So again, we're seeing a lot of things like this tech in some ways has always existed in luxury hair spaces, but now we're seeing a lot of that accessibility. Now we're seeing it on our, our drugstore shelves or we're seeing it in places that we didn't see before. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think it was really interesting, a point that you made, which is it's not about the graying, it's about the actual health of your scalp and your hair. Because I think, you know, so many times we look at aging hair as graying rather than looking at the health of the hair. And they are connected for sure, but they're not the same thing, right? They're, they're not, they can't be equated. So I think that that's a really important distinction to have. And then, you know, the other thing that's really interesting to me is that, you know, hair care in my culture, and I don't know if you have this similar experience, is, is part of our culture you know, oiling your hair, oiling your scalp for the health of the scalp. In Ayurveda and South Asian culture, you know, the skin is, is one of the organs that helps with detoxification is how we've always looked at it, which is, you know, that's true in biology. It is the largest organ we have. It helps with detoxification of the skin. It's the barrier to keep the bad stuff out, keep the good stuff in. Uh, And so hair health, scalp health has always been a big focus in our culture. And so this is sort of like, again, as we were saying, we're kind of going back to basics in a lot of these trends of saying, oh yeah, we need to look at that scalp health and how that connects to our overall health. So I don't know what your experience has been with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the interesting things when we were researching this trend is that we're also seeing, so with, you know, obviously Black women, you know, sometimes we utilize protective styling with extensions for braids, and we're seeing even nutrients infused into extensions, like for folks to use. And I was like, when I was in my 20s, I would have loved this tool. I wasn't thinking about it. You know, you weren't thinking about a lot of, but yeah, the oiling, the moisturizing, also crucial and such an important part of hair care routines. And now we're just seeing a lot of, you know, the mainstream products and services really catch up with the importance of these routines, especially in light of all the changes that we're seeing within the environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great one. It's really interesting. So I'll be interested to see what kinds of new products come out there. But I think, you know, the idea that it's 
more people will have access to this. It's not just for certain people who can afford. It's sort of like bringing the prices down many lines or it's not just the the fancy you know, salon lines that have these products. It's sort of what you were saying. It's going to be in your drugstore on many of the brands that we know. So I think that's really important. Good to know. Okay. So let's move to the fourth one that we were going to talk about, which is eating for wellness will be a lot simpler and more celebratory in 2024. So tell us about this one. Yeah. I, you know, I think probably what we've seen a lot of, you know, during the pandemic, post pandemic is folks eating for comfort. We've seen a lot of bread baking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, a lot of ways that keep leaning into comfort foods. So when we look at this trend, we're thinking functional comfort foods. So really not only leaning into this, you know, kind of need and nostalgia for the type of foods that made us really feel good, but also layering in how can we make sure we're transparent about the ingredients on this food? How can we incorporate what we know is important to the health of what we put into our bodies into these things. So we're seeing things like breakfast foods that are, you know, incorporating plant-based proteins and less added sugar and fewer ingredients, but also making sure that they're transparent right up front on the label about what's in those foods. Okay. So can you give me some example of what you guys mean by these comfort foods? Like what, what products are we seeing? Yeah. Well, purely Elizabeth, you know, they're going beyond just a no frills granola. They're looking into oatmeal and cereal and value size packaging options. One thing that I also love about what Peely uh, Elizabeth is doing is they're leaning into cookie-like granola. So, you know, they know we love our cookies, but now they're layering in, you know, the importance of, of oats and, and, and what they're creating. Also, I think, you know, so many of us have the nostalgia for that crunch, you know, of a good potato chip. We see things like Dr. Prager's now with crunchy cauliflower and sweet potato veggie burgers, really just, you know, delivering on those things that bring us comfort, but again, layering in that health benefit. Good culture, you know, has a fantastic cottage cheese. Yeah, I've seen that And again, being super, yeah, super upfront about the ingredients and what's in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's really just taking these nostalgic comfort foods and sort of making them better for us, really, is what you guys are saying. You're saying, right? Like joyful nutrition. I think that's how we're seeing it. (laughs) Joyful nutrition. So again, like how is this different than, you know, sort of, I'm just pushing you on this, you know, a little bit, but, you know, how is this different than what we've kind of seen with, you know, like the healthier options of foods, right? Is it just, you know, an extension or what would you say? Yeah, I think, you know, what we're seeing is that a lot of these health focused brands are, you know, are really looking to establish trust and develop connection with their consumers. I think it's a lot of times we think of healthy eating as something that, ah, let me go eat this, you know, drink this green juice or let me go do this thing, you know, and and this is what it is and that's what it's going to be. And now brands are saying, no, look at us a little bit differently. Like you can enjoy this too. You know, we're going to create this new kind of flavor or this new product. And we're going to tell you right up front it's okay to eat this. You're good. Here's what's in it. And here's how we're making sure that we incorporate what's important to us into what's important to you. Right. Right. So what I'm thinking about as you're saying that this is that it's really interesting because first, you know, some of these really large brands that were very established, you know, they just made the products. And then we had all these sort of healthier brands that came along and made very niche products, right? And then we saw these big brands go in and say, oh no, we're going to make some of those healthy products. 
whether or not that healthy, but they, you know, they have all the labels, all the workarounds on what they put on the labels of organic or this or that, whatever, natural, all the words that they use. I don't even know all of them to sort of get around what they're actually telling us is in the product because it's not actually that good for us. But this is really interesting because this is actually those healthy brands now saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to go into the other space of like expanding from healthy foods, these niche products and go into sort of these products that are a little bit more widespread and widely used like meal or, or what have you, right? Like, it's not just about making it healthier, but it's like, okay, let's go into those, those foods that people buy on a regular basis, not something that they buy as a health food for themselves. That's what I'm thinking about. It's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great way of looking at it. It's saying, you know, we're, we're going to still be flavorful forward, you know, we're going to, and then, you know, to your point, you know, you see some of these products and it'll say all natural or, you know, know this, and then you turn it over and they're like, but all of this, <laughs> there are all right. these other things, right? you know, and now it's, we're going to tell you this, this has two eggs, you know, some granola, it'll tell you exactly what's in it up front. So, you know, as you're buying it, it's no hidden small detail. Yeah. And so are you guys seeing this mostly in, you know, products that are like shelf stable, or are you seeing this in frozen? What kinds of range? I mean, you said cottage cheese, I heard about that one, but Are there other things that you guys are kind of seeing so that people, when they're going, you know, I'd love for the listeners when they're going to the grocery store to kind of keep an eye out for it. But if we don't really know what those products are, we won't be able to look for them because I'm going to look for them when I go to the grocery store too. I feel like we're seeing at all levels because I think, you know, I mentioned Dr. Prager's veggie burger, which could be in the frozen island and crunchy granolas, more shelf stable. So I think you'll start to see them popping up all over your kind of grocery store trip. And you'll know because those are the ingredients, you know, the foods that you're going to see those ingredients right up front. And so how do you think this is going to change sort of what the big brands do? Like going back to that difference, you know? Yeah. I think that there's just been a, you know, more wellness minded consumers that are, you know, making the demand for this. So I think, you know, the more we see these bigger brands or smaller brands following suit to meet this demand, I think the more that we'll just see it across other brands. So I think this will probably become the new normal in a couple of years that, you know, we won't expect anything. This is what we're going to want to see in the foods that we eat. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. That's amazing. Faith, we just went through the first four that we wanted to talk about this episode. So I, I think that those are really, really interesting. And again, for the listeners, we'll have this all linked in the show notes. So you can go check it out, read a little more about, you know, all of these different trends and sort of get up to speed on what we've been talking about, more of the details. But Faye, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. I love your insights. I think this is just really helpful for all of the listeners to hear about what's coming. They can keep an eye out for it. So thank you so much. And we'll continue our conversation in part two. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.